shave a winter girl and beat her so she had to pee 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 she had to pee 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 she couldn't hold in the golden stream any longer Jayla had to go and pee 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 Does anyone else need to pee? Now would be the time to go and pee. You can go and urinate in your bathroom. Or if you're a baby and wear diapers, you could urinate in your diaper. I wouldn't recommend just peeing your pants. It gets pretty itchy and uncomfortable. Jayla's coming back from peeing. Hi. I sang you a song. <laughs> Yay, Jayla's recording now. She is recording now. She didn't get to hear my pee song. Oh, great. <laughs> now I don't know if I want to hear it. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool, cool, cool beans. Beans? Beans are cool. Beans are cool. What kind of beans do you think are the coolest? <laughs> the cool kind. <laughs> the refrigerated kind. Oh, that's clever. That's clever. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. Oh. I think my favorite kind of bean is a, the black beans. I put them on like, or in everything. <laughs> Nice. I eat them with my nachos, I eat them with tacos, burritos, <laughs> chili. They're pretty good. Uh, what is it, like those cowboy coleslaw bean salads, all those different things. Yeah. I like black beans. Black beans are pretty good. I eat a lot of them. They are good. Pretty, pretty solid bean choice. <laughs> Your bean there. <laughs> Excellent. Beans. Beans. I don't know. I like I guess I really like green beans. Ooh, I didn't even think about those. I love green beans. Yeah. Green beans are pretty good. I used to after school I would just get a can of green beans and open it and eat the beans out of it with a fork. I wouldn't even mm. eat it up. <laughs> that's that's too much for me. <laughs> I wouldn't drink the water or anything. I would just oh. eat the beans. Well, I mean, if you draw it at drinking the water, I guess that's okay. <laughs> They're yummy. Uh, weird. You're weird. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not judging. <laughs> I mean, I ate a lot of weird things as a kid. I'd just eat butter by the brick or spoonfuls of shortening. Fistfuls of flour. Oh, my gosh. I am very ready to hear what you have your child eat as a snack. <laughs> he eats a lot of fruit. He likes fruit and yogurt. <laughs> You're going to come home one day and he's just going to have fistfuls of flour in his face and like in his cheeks all punched up like a chipmunk. Old chipmunk yeah. but with flour. Yeah. Oh or gosh. beans. Oh man. Hello animal lovers. Welcome to the Animal Facts podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. 
We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals, just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they can do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. Thanks Thanks for for joining joining us. us. Enjoy! Welcome, Animal Fact lovers, fans, friends, and animals. I'm Jayla. (laughs) And I'm Nicole. And super excited to tell you about this animal. I almost gave away a hint. Um... (laughs) So, but first we're going to start with our personal question of the week. Yes. My personal question this week is, what is your favorite artificial flavor? Oh. So like when people say it's cotton candy flavored or banana flavored Mm. or like that artificial, not like extracts. So you can't pick like vanilla vanilla. extracts. (laughs) No. It's got to be like a straight up like the crazy candy or flavored artificial flavors. Huh. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess chocolate wouldn't count then either. Because that's kind of a natural. I mean, cocoa I mean, is natural. I feel like <laughs> when something is artificially flavored as chocolate, it tastes different than actual True. chocolate. I don't know. Are Tootsie Rolls like artificially chocolate? Because they don't ever taste like they actual chocolate. So like I imagine Tootsie Rolls to be like what artificial chocolate would taste like. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I don't know. They might use real chocolate for Tootsie Rolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I usually go for like something raspberry or strawberry flavored mm. to feel like that's a pretty safe bet yeah but you mentioned cotton candy and i do yes. really like cotton candy flavored ice cream yeah if i'm feeling or, like, adventurous or bubble candy, gum like yeah mm-hmm. or, yeah cotton candy flavored things are good mm-hmm. popsicles mm-hmm. lollipops yeah Laffy Taffy, maybe? Laffy yeah. Taffy. I feel like my favorite Laffy Taffy is strawberry Laffy Taffy. Yeah, mine too. But I'm not a big fruity. My favorite is also cotton candy or watermelon. I really like mm. the artificial watermelon flavored things. That's. I feel like that's because artificial watermelon is still refreshing. Yeah, it doesn't taste anything like a real watermelon, yeah. but it's yeah. still delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Cotton candy is really good, but it is really sweet. It is very sweet. So, yeah. I don't know. Those would be yes. my two picks. Good. That's a good question. It was Not a good like, question. I'm thinking about other artificial flavors. I'm thinking about like lemon and lime. And... Blue. <laughs> yeah. Blue is a flavor because it's like blue raspberry or whatever it's just flavored of blue i love blue like blue otter pops or the blue jolly ranchers yeah yeah i love the flavor of blue (laughs) whatever blue is whatever blue is it's never blueberry no (laughs) yeah yeah 
Well, and I'm thinking of like Gatorade. Mm. Yeah, blue Gatorade's always my favorite. They recently, or not recently, but a while ago, they came out with like whatever that pink color was. It was like a raspberry mm. or strawberry of sorts. Yeah. That one was good. The like pink a, one. Yeah, the pink one or the blue one. Put them together, it's cotton candy. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> it might have yeah. been watermelon if it was a pink one, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I have no idea. I don't think I've tried that one. It was good. Oh. I don't remember what it was. There you go. That was my question. That's a good question. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Yep. Are you ready to learn about our animal that has nothing to do with cotton candy? Yes. First cool. things first. Is it a mammal? It is a mammal. Does it have an A in it? Yes. Okay. I'm ready for trivia. Okay. <laughs> That's true because throughout the week I hadn't even picked my animal. Yep. I didn't pick my animal until like yesterday afternoon. Yeah, so. <laughs> so. There was um, no hinting involved. No, there wasn't. So, this animal, fully grown, can fit in the average adult human's hand. So fully like, grown? Fully grown. It fits in my hand. And it's a mammal, and it has an A in it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think of is, like, a squirrel or a chipmunk, but those don't have A's in them. Nope. Next question. Um, this animal does not have opposable thumbs. So it's not a monkey. Because that would be my other guess. Like a pygmy marmoset, I guess. But that's a monkey. And they have thumbs. You said they don't? They do not have thumbs. A bunny? No, because bunnies get big and they don't have an A. That it's doesn't rabbit. even have an A. A rabbit has an A in it. Yeah, it's more scientific. A baby name. bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Next question. Um, this animal is the smallest of its kind, but it's not the smallest in the world what okay <laughs> a mammal has an a in it it's no thumbs tiny fits into my my hand it's the smallest of its kind but not the smallest in the world of the world no thumbs I have no idea. I have no guesses whatsoever. Okay. Drum roll. <laughs> it is. You did guess it. It's the pygmy marmoset. What? Yep. So, all you listeners out there, you can hear Nicole's <laughs> thought process and then be like, huh. <laughs> I thought they would have had thumbs because they're a type of primate, aren't they? They're not opposable thumbs, so they're not like our thumbs. They're like kind of more like dog, cat thumbs, you know. Uh-huh. So That's they don't help so them. So interesting. <gasps> you mm-hmm. tricked me. You tricked mm-hmm. me good. I was yep, totally yep. gonna guess a pygmy marmoset, but then you're like no thumbs, and I was like, 
Oh, well, that takes that off the table. Yeah, which I thought was, it was a great, uh, great question. Great fact that I found. I was like, ooh, this will yeah, throw her off. It obviously did. Yes, yes. Um, and then to elaborate on the size oh, one. so tiny. Uh, the animal is the smallest monkey, but it is not the smallest primate. Mm, uh, are tarsiers smaller? Uh, some of them can be, but the smallest primate is actually the mouse lemur. Oh. Which is kind of cute. It's I'll to add that lemur. to our list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't guess it, but I kind of. <laughs> you did guess it, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I'm glad um, I didn't ruin it for you. <laughs> me too. I'm glad it's not the pelican. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm excited to learn more about pygmy marmoset. They're cool. so cute. I'm excited to share it with you. I yes. had no idea. I honestly was even like, I don't even know what these are. But we haven't done a monkey in a while or a lemur or anything in that realm. So Yeah. That's why I picked Honestly, them. I don't think we've talked about them since like the Father's Day special. Mm-mm. And no, that was only like a mini shout out to them. Yeah. They do great, make great dads. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I also had a friend who recommended it to me. And I was like, actually, that's a good animal. So. Yay. I'm excited. Yep. Cool. Uh, pygmy marmosets are also known as finger monkeys or pocket monkeys because they're mm. to- so tiny. And they like wrap around your finger. Yeah. And then groups of pygmy marmosets are called troops. <laughs> I love it. Troops. Yep. So I thought that was really cute. Um, they can grow to be about 1.6 inches to 6.2 inches, um, which is about 12 to 16 centimeters. And then their tail length, which is separate from their body length, is 6.8 to 9 inches. So their tail is actually longer than their body Um, and then they also so to put that into perspective um, they fit in the adult human hand average hand size um, not tiny hands or gigantic hands but uh, and they also weigh as much as a single stick of butter Nicole like four ounces (laughs) Mm -hmm. dang Um, because they weigh anywhere between three to five ounces that's crazy. Yep, yep. Um, and so they're really tiny. Uh, and for those of you who haven't seen a pygmy marmoset, they are orange or brown. They're tiny little monkeys. Um, and I thought this was really cool. So each hair on a pygmy marmoset has stripes of brown and black, um, which makes them have the agouti coloring. And I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's A-G-O-U-T-I. Um, and that coloring is named after a South American rodent, which has the same similar coloring. Um, and what happens is that the the each each individual hair has like one color in the middle, and then it has bands or stripes of another color going across it or on the sides of it. Um, and it appears in dogs, cats, horses, and a lot of animals that are brownish or grayish in color. 
and one of those examples is like the german shepherd so if Um, you're not looking at a picture like nicole is um i am they're so cute yeah she got really close to her screen yeah they're brushing them with like toothbrushes they're so cute because they're so tiny tiny. yeah so they honestly the fur kind of looks like feathers almost Mm -hmm. yeah because they look super soft too yeah and just, uh, like, the way that the coloring is just looks like they have a bunch of little feathers. Yeah. But it's fur. Yeah. Their coloring is very closely um, compared to, like, German Shepherds or Czech uh, wolf dogs, Sarlows, or wolfhounds. Um, and one of the examples was also certain huskies um, mm. can kind of have it. or It's like that wolf camouflage appearance um, just in brown and gray. Cute. And then... That coloring does help them camouflage, so that's usually why they have it. Um, and then they're, uh, m- they have a mane that covers their little ears. So they have little ears. They're not just like little holes in their head, but the mane covers it because it's longer. And then their nails, they have flat. Um, well, most primates have flat nails like you and I. We have flat mm-hmm. nails for fingers um, or on our fingers, not for fingers. <laughs> That image is so oh. creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then along with opposable thumbs, and that helps us like grab objects. Um, pygmy marmosets have fingernails that are like claws, and that helps them climb up and down tree trunks, and they do not have the opposable thumbs. Um, so their claws are much more like squirrels or cats or dogs. Um and that they're like sharp at the end too. And then their tail is usually longer than its body and that helps it balance. Um, and their closest cousin is the tamarins. So you were close. <laughs> so. I feel so honored. <laughs> they're super cute, super tiny. Just like they are little very monkeys. Cute. Everyone should look up cute pictures of them. The toothbrush ones are really cute, though. Yeah, they're all brushing their... Yeah. Brushing them. It's so um, cute. Yeah. So, history of these little fellas. That was the hint I was trying not to give away, by the way. Ah. Uh, I was going to be like, oh, these little animals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, because they're so tiny and they live in dense forests... Uh, they're actually not super studied in the wild very well, um, because of their, they're just kind of hard to spot and kind of hard to track. That makes Uh, sense. But there are a lot of short-term field studies that have been carried out, uh, mostly in the 1960s and the 1970s, um, and then longer-term studies have occurred from the mid-70s to the 80s, um. And then a lot of studies that we do have are also from captivity. Um, Mm. So because it's harder to keep track of them while in their wild, um, the Anthropological Institutes of Zurich University in Switzerland and the Wisconsin National Primate Research Ah, Center in Madison. (laughs) I know. Didn't. Didn't. That was not planned. I found that out (laughs) while I was researching these guys and I was like, wait a second. 
We have a National Primate Research Center in Wisconsin. <laughs> Gotta go visit it now next time you're home. Right? Um, anyways, uh, so those two uh, main places have been also studying the pygmy marmosets, and that adds to the knowledge of their reproductive patterns, their development, their behavioral patterns, and some of their communication. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then... Uh, I have a story at the end that we can talk about, um, and it's about some history that we've recently figured out from 2018 and 2017. So, stay tuned to listen to that. So, but we're gonna deep dive in, not deep dive, um, we're just gonna (laughs) talk about (laughs) their environment. Uh, so, where do you think you can find pygmy marmosets in the wild? Uh, foresty areas. I want to say like warm tropical areas, but I don't know. <laughs> Did you spill? Gotcha. <laughs> I might have just dribbled onto my shirt. That's fine. Got a hole um, in your lip. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that phrasing before. Um, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's, that was nice. Um, <laughs> A different kind of education. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, they are found in tropical climates. They're mostly found in the rainforest uh, in the Amazon and so South America. Um, and they can be found in Brazil, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, and northern Bolivia. Um, so they like to hide in the forest, in the rainforest primarily. Um, and they dodge behind tree trunks and branches. And they free, um, freeze and dash like a squirrel. So <gasps> you think about how they move. That's kind of what they're up to. Um, they make their homes and living in forest trees or bamboo thickets near or alongside rivers and floodplains. So they're close to water, but they're not right next to it. They're not drowning in it. Um, and they're not like in a desert. So uh, nice. they prefer to live in the dense rainforest where there is a lot of hiding places among the plants. And each group of marmosets... Um, has a small home range of less than half an acre uh, because they only need a couple of trees to feed on. Um, And I'll talk about that in their feeding habits and what they eat. Um, But we're going to talk about their behavior first. Behavior. Behavior. Uh, What time do you think a pygmy marmoset wakes up? Oh. Uh, four in the morning? (laughs) I don't know. Are they, like, do they sleep in or are they, like, early risers? Uh, I don't know. 6 (laughs) a.m. That's, that's close. I don't actually know what time they would wake up. (laughs) Oh. Because they wake up with the sunrise. So that's always changing. Um, that makes sense. But I like that you were trying to pick a specific <laughs> time. They're like us, Nicole. They're up at the early times. They're up at the butt crack of dawn. Yes, yes. Literally. 
Sorry, my hand is like in my shirt, and I'm just like in my like. Coming. I know you look comfy. I am comfy. I'm wearing a baju. Nice, nice. Yes, I cleaned my garage today, so now it's comfy time. Nice. You deserve it. I do. I do. Cool. Um, so they wake up with the sun. They do. So they're not up in those nocturnal times. No, they are not up in those nocturnal times. Um, they are very much day monkeys. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what the word is for that either. <laughs> uh, I think it was, it's like diaturnal or something like that. Diaturnal. Oh, side note. Ah. Sorry, don't mean to be yawning. Josh was telling me, so in the one when we talk about pignose turtles, yeah, uh, how we're like, why are they called omnivores? Like, because there's herbivores and carnivores, like, why is in omnivore? And we were like, because they omnom everything, right? Yeah. The real reason, which is, like, our, our definition is great, but the real definition, like, because omni means everything. Oh, so that's, that's cool. why omnivore because omni translates to everything is like the meaning of that. That's cool. I like that. Just a little tidbit. Learning in other areas. <laughs> yes. Just to backtrack a tiny bit to the pig nosed turtle, because <laughs> my husband is my Google. <laughs> <gasps> he needs to just like correct things then (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't correct too many things he's like did you guys say this just because it was for the joke or do you actually know and i was like i actually don't know (laughs) so then he told me that's cool though the (laughs) more you know the more you grow um diurnal dire is the opposite of nocturnal which means that i like daytime monkeys (laughs) awake during the day (laughs) Daytime monkeys. Um, Daytime monkeys. Yeah. So these troops live (laughs) in extended families. uh, And it usually consists of up to how many monkeys? Uh, 30? Oh, smaller. Oh, uh, 10? Close. Nine. Ah, oh, such a specific number and so random. Yeah. It's up to nine. So it's like five to nine um, with the minimum being two um so usually the troop has a breeding pair so it's the two and then it's usually their babies which are like the three so that's five and then any of their adult children which is where the nine would come in Uh, okay i held up eight fingers but nine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah okay and then the parents do stay together for life Oh, they're so cute. That was really cute. Uh, I did put, the parents stay together for life. Explanation point. Aww. <laughs> it is very aww. Yes. Um, so they live in a group, uh, and this is very useful for the pygmy marmosets because they're so tiny. They are having, when they live in such a, a small group, that they have more eyes out mm. for spotting predators and everyone can help take care of the really baby pygmy marmosets the baby uh, babies yeah <laughs> the babies of the babies <laughs> so cute 
the ability to climb is also really important for the pygmy marmosets because they eat tree sap and that's one of their favorite foods and they have to find that in the trees um so <laughs> they do this by climbing trees quadrupedally uh which so basically like means yeah it basically means that they climb like a squirrel uh oh and they that's climb cool yeah, they climb vertically uh, and they can cling to the tree trunks as they feed. So they can also um, kind of climb down it like a squirrel, but you don't see that as often because they're usually going up um, and they can jump so that they could also jump down instead. But oh, so yeah, and that's where their fingernails come in handy because mm-hmm. then they can climb like. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they do also communicate with each other by chattering and shrilling and like thrill, like high pitched voices. Uh, and they make the high pitched, uh, the pitch is so high sometimes that humans can't hear them. Um, and then just like the human, though, they do make certain squeaks or dialects or calls to mean different things. And most of them usually mean urgent messages or expressions of danger. So there, I found a video that I was watching um, where the pygmy marmoset that the video cameras were following all of a sudden just like froze and started looking and freaking out and got really tense. And then he started making a really loud noise and they had other cameras and other canopies of the trees and they were like zooming around based on his eyesight um, of where he was looking and they mm-hmm. found that there was a, a hawk that he had spotted, um, like, far away. They were like, how did he even see this? Um, but he was signaling for that, and basically then the hawk's cover was blown, so he flew away. Um, and all the other pygmy marmosets, you could, they saw them all, like, scurry away and hide. And then as soon as the shrieking started and the hawk was like, oh, crap, I got caught. Uh, the par- marmosets all like came out and started eating again. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, so, so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but they make really high pitched noises. Um, so they also make facial expressions. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can tell if a a pygmy marmoset is content or surprised or in fear uh, and they do this by moving their lips eyelids ears and the hair around their face kind of like people uh we just have less hair around our face uh, depending on the person uh and they also as a troop they will groom each other and establish special bonds and this also helps keep their fur clean and in good shape and it doesn't get all knotted um so and then at night, they sleep because they're not nocturnal. They're not <laughs> at those nocturnal times. No. Uh, so they sleep and they sleep in roosts uh, or in sleeping sites. And that's where they rest their little heads. Um, and they're so usually, cute. yeah, they're usually made of dense tangles of vines or on a rare occasion, they're made in tree holes that are already in the trees. Uh, and each group has two or three sleeping sites, but they primarily use one um, as their like home base. And then once they leave the roost, the group travels directly. So every morning they'll travel directly to their primary exudate of 
um, tree. So that's where like the food has gathered because uh, they primarily eat sap. So overnight it'll gather and then they'll eat. And then once they do that, um, it takes them about 30 to 90 minutes to eat all of the gum out of the tree and then or out of that little like divot. Mm-hmm. They're not eating all of the gum out of the tree because then the tree would die. But uh, so basically after their breakfast, they engage in social activities such as huddling, grooming and playing. And then they go foraging for like a lunch, uh, which usually consists of insects and protein. And then at midday, they take like a rest or a nap or they'll come back and engage in social behaviors. And then um, once it gets to evening, they'll go out and do like dinner again and then they'll go home so it's very similar to like our habits of eating like they'll go out for breakfast and then they hang out and they go out for lunch and they hang out and they go out for dinner and then they go to bed (laughs) i love it that's so fun they like eat in certain spots and then sleep in other spots and they go yeah that's so cute yep yep and it's not like all rigored so like not all of them the marmosets are eating at the same time or like yeah. sometimes it's staggered but it is really cute that they go out and eat and then they come three home. meals a day mm-hmm. yeah just about and a midday nap yeah yeah so um speaking of what they eat they uh i found something that was called that they're called gumnivores <laughs> uh and their definition was that it they mostly eat gum, saps, and resins. I don't know how accurate that is on the whole, like, omnivore, carnivore, like, carnivore, yeah. carnivore, <laughs> carnivore um, spectrum, but I thought it was cute. <laughs> yeah. So, they mostly eat gum, saps, and resins, and then they'll scamper up and down the trees and thick vines head first, uh, which is just, like, that squirrel position, and then they gouge a hole in the bark, Um, or vine with sharp teeth and then use an up and down sawing motion with their teeth to make that circle and it's so crazy yeah it's a pretty symmetrical circle so it's usually really accurate Um, so crazy yeah uh and then the sap will puddle up in the hole and then they lap that up with their tongue so once they've established all of these holes and divots in the tree they just like go up and down it and drink the sap Um, and usually the holes start at the bottom so those are the older ones and then as the tree grows the um the holes go up so you can see like the holes at the bottom are older than the holes at the top that's so so funny yeah um in each tree do you want to guess how many little divots or little bowls or little holes the pygmy marmoset can have 50. More. Oh, 80? More. Oh my gosh. 100. More. (laughs) (laughs) 150. More. Think, uh, times it by like 10. A thousand? (laughs) It's a thousand three hundred. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's how many little little i think of them as like little bowls and they're just like in the tree (laughs) and they're also i guess yeah and they're probably small because the the marmoset itself is small so yeah they're really small crazy yeah 
Um, so they have a thousand three hundred holes in each tree, Dang. and they don't they don't need a lot of trees though. So that's the plus side. Um, yeah. And then sometimes they'll also wait for insects to come to their little divots, and then the insects are feeding on the sap, and then they'll eat the insect. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do this well, a lot with. Yeah, they do that a lot with butterflies and grasshoppers, um, and they'll also eat nectar and fruit. So they don't just eat the sap and gum and resins. Uh, and then in the zoo, obviously, because we can't grow gigantically tall trees um, for them to eat and drill their own little holes into, uh, pygmy marmosets are fed veggies, fruit, a specialized commercial diet of New World monkey treats, which are like coated with vitamin c and vitamin d um and then crickets mealworms waxworms and hard-boiled eggs so that's what they get in the zoos um or in captivity so do you want to take a guess as to what the what are the natural threats of the pygmy marmoset uh you said earlier that hawks were one of them yes Birds. Uh, probably like other carnivores, like land-dwelling ones. If there's anything, like I don't know what's in South America. <laughs> snakes, maybe. Mhm. Yeah, snakes uh, are definitely up there. So snakes, birds, and then I don't know whatever's equivalent to like badgers and things. <laughs> that's fair i did not find anything about like badgers or i don't know whatever is south america's badger like rodents or anything but um cats are up there so like it doesn't even have to be like big cats it's like small domestic cats or feral cats or stuff like that um yeah so their natural predators are the harpy eagles, hawks, and snakes. And then the one that you didn't get was cats. So, cats. Um, but their necks are really flexible and that helps them like kind of look backwards and be able to look around and keep an eye out for those predators. Um, so the other thing is that sometimes they fall out of the trees. Yeah. Which is really sad. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about that later. So. Sad. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the other big threat of the pygmy marmoset? Humans. Because we suck. Uh, isn't like, I feel like that's the answer to almost all of our podcasts. <laughs> it's the answer to everything. Humans. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that'd be us. We are awful. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, one of the biggest reasons is uh, deforestation, mm. um, and then it's the pet trade. So those are the top two oh, reasons. Oh, no. Um, yep. So there's obviously the Amazon rainforest is where they live, and obviously we're trying to get rid of the Amazon rainforest because we're awful human beings. And then we're trying to replace it with mining, oil palm cultivation, and... Um, just in general, decreasing the pygmy marmoset's habitat in size. Um, and then they are the pygmy marmosets are the second most trafficked primate species in the world. Um, squirrel monkeys are the first, uh, according to the article that I found, and account 
it accounts for 13% of the primates um, that the research team found for sale as pets and bushmeat at Peruvian markets. So, according to the International Union of Conservation and Nature, um, the population numbers were also declining due to the illegal pet trade, and most of them are actually stolen as infants and oh. confined to cages. Um, and then on the trip to their destination, they are subject to starvation, harsh weather conditions, injuries, and illness. And then most exotic pets sold, um, or most animals sold as, as exotic pets, um, for that rephrasing, never actually make it to their intended buyers. And biologists found that around 70% of traded exotic animals die at the (laughs) wholesaler. So the next time you're like, oh, this guy's really cute. I wonder if I can have him as a pet. No. Um, Don't do it. Yeah. And uh, I'll talk more about that. Um, So sad. So, yeah. Don't do that. Um, but before we go into like sad things, um, let's talk about how we make more little pygmy marmosets because they're adorable. Yes, yes. Uh, so a pygmy marmoset mom has a gestation period of about four point four and a half months, and she can give birth to every five to seven months, so she can have multiple children in her lifetime. Um, and then while in the wild, pygmy marmosets almost always have, do you want to guess how many babies they usually have? I feel like it's one to two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, in the wild, they have an average of two babies. Um, and then in captivity, do you want to guess how many they have? Mm-hmm. It's higher. Three? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's an average of three, but they have had four babies born in captivity oh. before. Yeah. Think of that this little... T- mom. Yeah. This little tiny apple-sized mom <laughs> with her big belly. Yeah. Poor mom. I wonder why that is. Like, do they know why in captivity they're, they're like, no. average is larger? No, I didn't find anything. Weird. Um, so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, it could very well be just their diet and their climate. They're not as Maybe. stressed. Maybe. Um, but I don't know. Less stress usually means better stuff. <laughs> those working organs um (laughs) other functioning things yep uh yeah so each newborn though is about the size of this your thumb yeah i showed nicole my thumb um (laughs) she gave me a thumbs up (laughs) yeah uh, oh, so, so big compared to the mama too, you know, like they are baby. like yeah. they're tiny babies, like, but portion to portion, that's a huge baby. My thumb compared to the size of my hand. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're having two to four of them, oh, yeah, poor mom. Yep. But she's got it. And she it doesn't tried. matter because when she has the babies, um, the father is actually great. Uh, he takes so we over. talked about the dad. Yeah. Um, 
So the father's actually helping delivery, bit the babies, and then he'll Which clean is them. so cute. I love yeah. him so much. And he takes over, uh, and then he carries the newborns piggyback style um, for the first two weeks, and he helps bringing them back to their mother to nurse. Uh, and the mom is just like chilling. She did her job, and now Some he gets to do rest. his. Yeah. Uh, and this is where the older siblings, so like having a group of nine uh, pygmy marmosets helps because then the older siblings will also help carry the the newbies and then they also help take care of them and groom them and get them back to their mom um, and yeah, then when the sense. babies are older the babies will hide while the rest of the family goes looking for food until they're strong enough to travel with the group uh, and this is one of those cases where if the pygmy marmoset doesn't hold on tight enough as a baby they will fall. Um, just so sad. Sad, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> on the plus side, um, they start traveling with the group uh, at three months of age. Um, and then it usually takes them about two years to grow as large as the adults. And once they're grown, they may leave their little troop to start a family of their own. A little troop of their own. Cute. <laughs> Make other little baby troops. Um, so cute. They're so cute. Oh, or they may stay to help the ra- raise the newest babies. Um, so they have an average lifespan in the wild of up to twelve years. Nice. And then in captivity, do you want to guess how many? How old they get? Older. Yes. Twenty. Uh, that is the highest. Ah, that's cool. So, So, 15 to 20 or something? Yeah, actually, that's exactly what it is. Um, Yeah. So, it's a range of 15 to 20, and then it's an average of, like, 18. Nice. Yeah, it depended on where I looked that um, I found out what that was. So, um, just making sure I got all those notes. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> cool. So, um, I'm going to start with fun, not fun facts, they're not fun facts, but we talked about how if you should have this animal as a pet and why it's not the best idea. Um, I'm kind of going to tell you why, but we're also going to talk about the mortality rate because it's not a fun fact. So I figured I'd clump all the sad facts together. Um, yeah. The morning so, facts. Yeah. But not so. morning, morning, sad morning. Yeah. <laughs> the grieving facts. There we go. Not, I'm going to have this with my breakfast morning facts. but Not daytime monkey morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, grieving facts. Grieving facts. Sad facts. Uh, so in the wild, the pygmy marmoset has a high mortality rate. And about 67% of pygmy marmosets make it to the age of six months. Sad. So it's only a little over half. Um 
and then nearly 80% of pygmy marmoset deaths occur within the first two months of life, and that's because they don't hang on tight enough. Sad. Because unlike humans, they don't have just like little, what are those called? The little backpacks, the baby backpacks? Oh, like a baby carrier? Yeah, yeah. Like a little strap-on. They're up to like bareback? Yeah. Um, so. Poor guys. That's the wild sad facts can you imagine though if they did have like those little baby slings or like the little baby like packs how they would look carrying them it'd be, be so, so cute. cute they'd be so cute so tiny. Yes. honestly imagining that tiny of a monkey with like a tiny little backpack in general is just adorable yes like, that would be adorable. <laughs> it'd be so cute oh that'd be so cute there's your drawing <laughs> I can get it cute yeah. enough. <laughs> a little backpack. With a little, like, another little pygmy marmoset head poking out. <laughs> like a little stuffy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be adorable. That would be super cute. Yeah. All right. Found the idea. Alright. <laughs> cool. Keep giving so, me those... Well, I don't want more sad facts, but give yeah. me those sad facts. Well, just, just keep in mind that you could potentially have a pygmy marmoset with a little backpack, and that will make you happier than all of these sad facts. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It'll, it'll keep you going. So, the uh, pygmy marmoset, should you have it as a pet? No. Cool. <laughs> yes. Even with a little backpack? No. Yeah. As cute as they would be, which is one of the reasons why they are in the pet trade in the first place... Um, it's not a great idea. And some people are like, well, it could be, but it's not. Um, <laughs> and specifically in the U.S., multiple states actually find it illegal. Um, and then states that do have it legalized, most of them you had to have permits uh, in order to own the pygmy marmoset. So even though that it, it could be legal or illegal in your state, you should look into that too. But... Uh, on the overall arching theme is that you should not have it as a pet because they are very um, socially uh, they need a lot of social activity and stimulation um, and physical stimulation so um, that sounds weird but I mean like they need lots of space to be active and they get really depressed and really sad um, and really lonely if you only have one so that's the other set side of it is that if you get one pygmy marmoset you should get another so that they have a friend um so the minimum is having two pygmy marmosets going into that um they have been uh advertised as great pets because of their size and overall docile temperament so they're not super aggressive um they're not super just like chill either they're pretty active and then in china they were seen as a symbol of wealth um in order to own a pygmy marmoset it meant that you were really wealthy and that's because they can cost anywhere between a thousand four hundred dollars to do you want to guess the the high high end uh three thousand close it's four thousand oh so it's a thousand four hundred to four thousand dollars for one pygmy marmoset. Yeah. Now remember, I told you you should double this. Yeah. Because you should have two, and then that's not including vet fees, which can be kind of hard to come by because it may or may not be illegal. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah so you're doubling everything and that's only for a three ounce baby finger monkey so pick me marmoset so i'd rather be able to pay my mortgage (laughs) right think of all the other things you could pay um for using that money so the other thing is that it has a negative impact on their population size um so they also require humor interference um with their habitat and this pushes so in order to catch the pygmy marmoset um humans have to go out and obviously catch the pygmy marmosets which interferes with their population and their habitat um and then this pushes the monkeys higher into the trees making them more vulnerable to predators or falling um so you're basically pushing them to their death or pushing them into extinction mm-hmm. um so captivity, uh, healthy captivity, is detrimental to individual um, pygmy marmosets and it results in behavioral changes over time, such as becoming less social and with other pygmy marmosets. Um, so they won't mate or they won't breed or they won't get along with other people or pygmy marmosets. And then it can also make them less vocal and make them silent entirely, um, which is not one of their normal like behavioral stats so you're basically driving them into sadness um and then while completing the research for a project that i was um finding a lot of this information on uh the the article um author found that there were more videos of how to take care of your pet pygmy marmoset than the amount of pygmy marmosets documented in the wild Dang. so there's more videos of how to take care of your pet pygmy marmoset that you shouldn't have than there are actually in existence in the wild i felt like that's a problem that um, is a problem <laughs> yeah so Ugh. things that we can do to help though um, how we cannot suck so much yeah number one don't buy a pygmy marmoset as a pet if you didn't get that um (laughs) but there are other ways we can contribute and help uh put a positive impact on the amazon rainforest and essentially pygmy marmosets in their natural habitat too um and one of those things is to buy less products that contain palm oil um buy local meat and produce reduce paper and uh, wood consumption support reforestation programs um work to establish stricter regulations for protecting those areas and then teach other people about the rainforest and the environment and pygmy marmosets Um, and then if you're also listeners looking for a place to donate you can donate to protect an acre and this is a program that helps um, it puts money towards the rainforest action network which allocates those your donations to protect and maintain land in the amazon I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that is really cool. So if you're looking for a way to way to help out, share this podcast, and then also tell your friends about these amazing little adorable fellas. So, um, you ready for famous pygmy marmosets? Yes. Cool. Um, the only famous one I found was a toy. Yes. <laughs> and it's not even like a real pygmy marmoset. It's they come in like pink and blues and green nice. and stuff like that. It's inspired. Um, yeah, 
But in 2017, it was like a hot Christmas item um, to get children. So it's called, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I had never heard of it. It's called a wowie fingerling. (laughs) No, but it sounds like a chicken nugget. (laughs) I should look this up. (laughs) I mean, it kind of looks like a toy that you could get in your Happy Meal. Ooh. What's it called? A what fingerling? A wow we fingerling. Wow we fingerling. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I see the marmoset ones. Yeah, yeah. So they also came out with like dragons, and I think there's unicorns and pandas or something. Yeah, and um, narwhals. And- yeah. So, listeners, for those of you who didn't look it up with Nicole, um, (laughs) it's a toy that clings to your finger and it reacts. Some of them can react to touch sound and sound. um, And they do this by blinking or blowing kisses, singing, burping, and even farting. Um, And they're based, the monkey ones are based on pygmy marmosets because they're so tiny. um, And they literally just like wrap around a child's finger. It's so funny. They almost remind me of, like, a Furby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're, like, finger Furbies. Yeah, but less furry. <laughs> yeah. And finger Furby sounds awful, so I'm not going to say that again. Um, yeah. Finger Furby. Finger Furby. <laughs> <laughs> Such a disturbing whisper. No. Um, cool. So, story time. <laughs> Children were not playing with their fingerling for- Furbies. <laughs> Sturgeon. Uh, in 2018, a group of scientists used... <laughs> fingerling Furby. I can't. <laughs> be the next hot thing just wait 2017 redo yeah that was weird Uh. do you think it would still talk and like have the big eyes and the beak (laughs) (laughs) doing that sound (laughs) furbies were haunted anyways um (laughs) yes they were creepy anyways in 2018 a group of scientists using genetic analysis confirmed two separate species of pygmy marmosets living in brazil Uh, previously to 2018 it was thought to have two species have been proposed to exist based on fur coloring however that by itself didn't hold up um and so the two species were not able to be distinguished just solely on fur coloring. So now they are being able to distinguish them between, uh, distinguish the differences by using mitochondrial DNA and 
skull structure. Um, so this lady called Layla Porter, uh, who led the research, um, published this stuff, this, these facts, these findings, um, in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology. And then in 2017, her and three other primatologists, um, which are people, I had to figure out what that meant. Um, but they're, they're people, they're people, um, and they're people who study non-human primates. Um, so kind of like Jane Goodall, um, and they collaborated to run testing and find evidence that supported the two species. Um, and they found it in slightly different skull shapes and DNA structure and were able to propose reclassifying two species of pygmy marmosets currently known as Eastern and Western to Northwestern and Southern pygmy marmosets. Um, and that op- also opened doors to allow additional research into the two species so that we could get funding and hopefully learn more about pygmy marmosets. So all of that aside, um, it's currently ongoing that the renaming process and the reclassification is in, um, it's still in process, but it was really cool Cool. because we were making some advancements in how we studied DNA that we could go back and be like, actually these monkeys might be different. Um, That is cool. So that was pretty cool. And then the second story, which Nicole, I think you're really going to appreciate this one, um, (laughs) is that there's a children's book out there about the Pygmy Marmoset. Yes. So it's called Nanita's Big World, The True Story of a Deaf Pygmy Marmoset. Oh, Um, so cute. Yeah. It was written in 2019. uh, And it's a book about, um, and this was the description, is it's the heart-tugging true story of how YouTube star Nanita, a deaf orphaned pygmy marmoset, which is the smallest type of monkey, found family, friendship, and a forever home. Uh, and it has illustrations and also it has real photos of Nanita um, in the description and then it, like the about the author page um, and real facts about Nanita. And then uh, there is a link in our resources for a read aloud story time with a children's librarian, Mrs. Laura Demers or Demers. Um, sorry if I mispronounce your name, but uh, she does a story time uh, on YouTube that you can watch so you don't actually have to I mean you can purchase the book uh, and it's available through Amazon but I was wondering um, if there was like a free version of the book so I followed along and that was really cute so it's a really cute book um, the illustrations are really adorable and they I like that it has actual pictures of Nanita in it yeah, so you can also look cute. up Nanita on YouTube because she is a YouTube star so cute yep 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 She's a famous one, then. Mm-hmm. She is. Yes. More famous than our that's true. fingerling Furby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but she is, even has her own little children's book written that's after her. That's so cute. So, yeah. Are you ready for lightning round? Lightning round! <laughs> um, I have two facts that Excellent. I saved for the lightning round. Um, and one is that pygmy marmosets can jump nearly 15 feet. Whoa. Which is pretty far. That is pretty far. Um, and. Three times my size. Yeah. 
and pygmy marmosets have the ability to rotate their head 180 degrees, which helps them scan their surroundings for predators while clinging to vertical trees. So they can rotate their head around like an owl. So So owls, they're coming for you. You (laughs) steal their job. Less silent, though. (laughs) Can't trick a pygmy marmoset. (laughs) Nope. So, those are all my facts about the pygmy marmoset. They're real cute. They get toothbrush brushes. (laughs) Pets. Toothbrush brushed with a toothbrush. Yeah. So, yeah, toothbrush brushes. (laughs) Toothbrush brushes. What does a toothbrush They get pampered with a brush. toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, and I actually think that some of the videos of uh, toothbrush brushing pygmy marmosets are of uh, Nanita. So, cute. Yeah, she's pretty cute. cute. Anyways, so all my facts. I love it. Yeah. Don't Thanks buy a pygmy listening. marmoset. Don't, don't buy a pygmy marmoset. Just watch videos and look at pictures see them at the zoo san diego zoo has some i think the portland zoo used to have some they might still yeah anyways go to wisconsin check them out yeah they have their little their thing there (laughs) yep yep so anyways thanks listeners thanks nicole thank you i'm so happy to know more about these cute little guys yep with their little backpacks. Yep. Yes! With their little backpacks. And their fingerling furbies. Yep. Uh. Their thumb babies. <laughs> <laughs> Got a so. whole monkey family on your hand. <laughs> in your hand. <laughs> I love it. Anyways. Thanks. Cool. Thanks. Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. So feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Animal Facts Podcast for updates and other random things. Click the link in the description for our resources, merchandise, and other cool things. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. Our awesome drum roll is provided by my really cool brother and father-in-law, Ethan and Camp Polson. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until, Until next time, bye! Are you ready for your random fact that has nothing to do with your uh, pygmy marmosets? Yes, I'm very ready. The kangaroo rat. Oh, that has a pouch. (laughs)
is capable of basically going its whole life without water. What? How? What? Because, yeah, (laughs) because of the way it can, like, recycle its own waste, like, urine and stuff, and it's, like, super, it's got, like, very intense kidneys and everything, it basically just kind of keeps filtering its water through, so it doesn't really need to drink lots of water, so it can basically go its whole life, which one website said could be up to 10 years but I don't know how accurate that one was. I just know that they're basically the animal that can go the longest without water. Does it not pee? Pretty much. <laughs> I would save so much time if I could just recycle my water system. <laughs> yeah, this website says the kangaroo rat can survive by far the longest time without water for almost its entire life, which is 10 years. Huh. That's a long time. Yep. But it's impressive. That is impressive. So there you go. Kangaroo rat. It's pretty cool. And he's also super cute. <laughs> oh my god, he is super cute. Sorry. It is super cute. Yeah, he's literally just like a little really kangaroo cute. mouse. <laughs> cool. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure in, um, what is it? It's little big feet. The Rescuers Down Under. I think he's oh, a kangaroo he's rat. In there. Yeah. Yeah, I think the little Australian mouse guy is a kangaroo rat. Which, fun fact, used to be, like, my imaginary friend. A kangaroo rat? Pretty much. <laughs> Not exactly, but it was, like, inspired. My imaginary friend was inspired by a kangaroo rat. Oh, yeah, it's Jack. Or Jake. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, Rubit. You're imaginary. They're cute. Hmm. Everyone needs to look up pictures of these cute guys. Okay. And he's in a Disney movie. Can't go wrong. 